to the Helping Families Be Happy podcast, where we explore the often messy world of family, love, and relationships. I am your host for this podcast, Dr. Carla Marie Manley, a practicing clinical psychologist, wellness advocate, and author based in Sonoma County, California. I'm teamed up with Familius Publishing to bring you nourishing real-life information about love, family, relationships, and life. Now I'm thrilled to introduce today's guest, Pam Lobley, who will be talking with us about her book, Why Can't We Just Play? (laughs) Welcome to the podcast, Pam. I love the book. I love the topic. Let's dive in after we know a little bit about what makes you, you. Okay. All right. Well, first of all, it's great to be here. So I'm a mom of two. Uh, My children are grown now. They are college graduates. But when I wrote the book, it was about 10 years ago. It takes place about 10 years ago. I'm a writer. I started my career in sketch comedy. So everything I do or write, I approach from a comedic standpoint. And my husband's an actor. We have a very creative home. (laughs) Uh, And I got the idea for this book because I felt like there wasn't enough play in our kids' lives. Mm, I love it. And I so agree. You know, I'm not big on looking back and regretting things, but if there's one thing I could do differently in raising my own, right, it would be to play more. And I imagine in today's world where, you know, life and paying bills sometimes takes our full attention. I cannot wait to learn and share with listeners to know more about how we can just learn to play a little bit or a lot more. So do share. I want to hear about the book. I want to hear more about it, how it came to be. So let's dive in. Okay. So when my kids were 10 and 8, we were just doing the usual busy family lifestyle. They were in Boy Scouts and they took piano lessons and they, they probably paid soccer, all, all the things that you do. And we were really busy. And I remember my husband and I both saying, is this supposed to be like this? Like we're exhausted and busy all the time. It doesn't feel like there's any of those stretches of fun silliness that we had when they were three and four and five but we were just doing what everyone else was doing. So we thought, well, this is how it is. And we just have to learn to go with the flow. And then I started realizing that the kids were not that happy. And in Mm. fact, one night when I was tucking my older one in, uh, who at the time was 10, and we had a typical busy day and there was probably a birthday party. And I mean, not just, you know, busy stuff, fun stuff too. And he started to cry and he said, we never have, I, he said, I never have time to just play. And I was flabbergasted. First of all, at the time he was in, he was in fifth grade. So that's kind of that early middle school time, you know, and especially these days, we're all pushing our kids to grow up so fast. Mm. So I was even thinking, well, okay, but, but you, you went to soccer and you had recess and you went to karate and you went, but see, all those things weren't play to him. Mm-hmm. They, those were activities. Play was I have a friend over and we goof around in the backyard. Play was I go to a playground and no parents tell me what to do. There's no rules. We make up our own game or I sit in my room with Legos and build anything I want. Not the thing that's in the book. I just make my own tower. So all that free imaginative play 
and as you can imagine, you know, we're a creative family. They, they had a lot of creativity they wanted to express all the time. I felt like the worst mom. Hmm. Like, who doesn't let their kid play? But of course, I was just, you know, I was just off track. So that happened in the spring. And I decided that we would have a summer of no activity. Now, I don't know if you can think about what that's like. To no, do tell. Do well. tell. But let me just say, you're not in the mainstream anymore. I mean, everybody has their summers packed with camps and maybe some extra tutoring and reading groups at the library and all kinds of lessons. And we did nothing. I, 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 we did one thing. My, my son was a Boy Scout and he went to Boy Scout camp for one week because that's what he wanted to do. But other than that, they had the entire day all summer long to just do what just they wanted play. to do. Oh, just, just hearing play. that made me take a big, deep breath in and a deep yeah. breath breath out that felt good <laughs> just the, the the idea of it and good for you to listen to him that you actually yeah. slowed yeah. down and paid attention to what he was telling you instead of becoming defensive right you know oh hey honey point. Yeah. I I didn't think about it at the time but I have to say that in retrospect I do feel so lucky that I took that chance and slowed down. And, and just, you know, for me, for the parent, it was the risk because I was doing something that I wasn't sure was right. I felt like I was acting in my best kid's best interest, but I was definitely going against the grain. Everybody looked at me with like, you know, when people don't agree with you and they get that kind of fake frozen smile on their face. Oh yes. Oh "Oh, yes. Great. (laughs) Great. So the voce, you're crazy. Exactly. So anyway, but but it didn't take too long over the summer before I realized I really did the right thing. And uh, they and in fact, I they get bored. I thought three or four weeks into it, they're going to be saying, you know, let's go to a movie. Can you sign me up for this or let's do that? And we live close to New York City. And I would say, hey, listen, want to go in and see a museum? Want to do this and that? And they would say. Do we have to? Can't we just play? <laughs> so they never they never got tired of it the entire summer. Isn't that interesting? So, yeah. you know, vivid images come to mind. Children run amok, painting yeah. the walls, climbing the walls, sitting on the rooftop. I mean, what did they do? What well, did your home look like at the end of that summer? They did drive me crazy. I'm not going to lie. And and actually, that is part of like it was really important to me in this book, to be honest, because I, I cannot stand. And, and I know, you know, we're all trying to look our best on Instagram and it's great to be aspirational. But, you know, it's hard to be a parent. And that was hard. It was hard. They fought a lot like siblings do. They bickered, especially when it was day three or four with no friends available for whatever reason. They only had each other to play with or it rained a lot and we were stuck inside. And yes, my house was just a a mess of Legos and blocks and pillow forts and the the whole thing. But, but also, you know, I got through it. it. There were enough moments that were so precious and so, you know, when you're, when you're looking at your kid or playing with your kid and you realize you're not making the grocery list in your head, you're not thinking about the next thing you're doing, you're actually present, present. because you slow down enough to, to be that way, you know, that, that's a pretty great takeaway. 
So the book, I try to be, and as like I said, I like to be funny. So there's a lot of funny stories in the book, but I'm definitely honest about it, it wasn't always easy, but I think maybe that is, I don't know. I think sometimes the, the harder things are the worthwhile things. Oh, without a doubt, I agree with you. Sometimes that which we invest a whole lot into, you know, a whole mm-hmm. lot of our effort into the project, into the endeavor is worth so much more than yes. something that was easy and we take for granted. Yes. So I have a question. Okay. Did it mean that you also played more that summer? Well, I, you know, I was, I was writing, I had different projects. So I would, I would write in the morning while they would watch TV and play Legos. And so, yeah, so I kind of did. I mean, we would, we, we have a, a town pool, so we would go to the pool uh, and hang out there. D- did I, I was really there for them. So did I play the way I would want to play? Like, you know, I would be the one who would want to go to the museums or <laughs> those types of things. But, um, but yes, I did. If you're asking that I enjoy slowing down and benefit from it, yes. Yes. yes definitely. Another question for you. Is it possible that this would only work for a stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home parent, yeah. caregiver? I, I think that exactly the way I did it, you would either have to work at home or be a stay-at-home mom. I was working. I don't think you could work full-time and do this. But if you were part-time, possibly. But here's the thing. You can build in this type of play for your kids, this type of autonomous, independent free play you know for instance let's say you do need to pick up uh you know have a daycare or a camp for your child look for the one with the least amount of structure the most amount of uh you know fun and and low expectations like this whole idea Mm. that we're supposed to be improving our children all the time is so exhausting you know like it's it's okay to just be spider-man all summer long that's a perfectly acceptable thing for an eight-year-old to do. (laughs) Okay, I have to say it is the first time in my life I have ever heard a parent say set low expectations. (laughs) First time ever, ever, ever. And I talk to a lot of parents. I am clapping. I am clapping. Yes, yes, yes. Big epiphany. Uh, You are so right. (laughs) Let's set low expectations for our kids when it's their time off. When it is their playtime, they have enough high expectations from preschool forward. I mean, they They live in a vice, right? Oh, my goodness. What an epiphany. You just made all these little light bulbs go on. Okay, (laughs) listeners, this is an area for low expectations. I love it. And it's hard because because we're always comparing ourselves to other parents and we're always comparing our kids to other kids, which is so ridiculous. But it's it's very hard not to do. But um, that was another thing I learned that summer is like the, the, what was so like fun and valuable and interesting about my own children that gave me confidence to say, yeah, you know what? They don't have to do that. They can just be who they are. That's enough. Absolutely. And I love that point as well, because as you were saying earlier, along with the low expectations, the, the, the low structure, diminished yeah. structure, because school is so structured mm-hmm. and you know, tagging on to the piece about comparison, social media makes it so much easier to get immersed in that world of what I call toxic comparison. Mm-hmm. Yet that is the antithesis of healthy 
well-being of healthy parenting because mm -hmm. every child is different. And so if we're tuning into that child's needs, as you did to your 10 year old when he said, I want to just play. And so maybe another parent's not tuned in or maybe another parent's child wants structure and activities yes. that summer. Mm -hmm. And so when we let go of toxic comparison and instead invest that energy into what is what is most appropriate for my child in the here and now, we can really make some wise decisions, can't we? Yes. Yes, that whole, you said it perfectly, that, that way of just focusing in on your own individual child and your, your overall family dynamic mm -hmm. and what works for you. And that, that's the best, that's when the best decisions happen. I, I agree with you. So for the, for the listeners, not that I want to get, have you give away the entire book, <laughs> but so for somebody who wants to be able to let their child play, I mean, really play, other than the low expectations, key, 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 and mm -hmm. the low structure, what else might a parent, whether working at home or outside the home, what are some key steps they can follow? Well, so clearing space on the schedule is one thing, so mm -hmm. that they have an afternoon or several hours or some certain chunks of time every week that, that is their own. They get to decide. And then I would say the next step is, you know, don't hover. If, if they just want to like, you know, play the drums on their pillow for 45 minutes that, you know, that's fine. That's fine. But, but I, I think too, when your child is playing with other children, resist the urge to step in and make it right. You know, the whole thing, like, remember when we grew up, you know, some years ago, the whole thing was making the rules. Like you'd have a bunch of kids in the backyard and the tree is going to be base. No, I don't want the tree to be base. And no, it's going to be this. And but he went first last time and you do all that negotiating and and you kind of, you know, figure out who you are in that group and the whole thing. And parents are so involved today because our mm. kids do so many activities. They're they're making all the rules. You're going to be first. You're going to be second. That's too noisy. Take your turn on and on. And oh. and then the kids don't learn how to do it themselves. So, so that, and it, it's hard because you see them either making, you know, not so great choices or maybe fighting or whatever, but you just try to like, my husband and I had a saying, pretend not to notice. <laughs> Absolutely. That is so wise. And I think for the parents who might be sitting there going, oh, but I am a helicopter parent or on the verge of that, right? That there are times to step in when somebody's bullying, sure. being super toxic, you know, anything like yeah. that. But other than that, you're right. That's where we learn to negotiate. That's yeah. where we learn how to collaborate. That's when we learn that, you know, there is a safe parent waiting close by who yes. when we need to, that parent will come in and, right. and do the good parenting. So I have another question for you. Okay. So we're talking about, okay, so let the kids choose their activities. Don't hover, brilliant. What about the kid who says, I want to be on my phone all day. That's play to me. Um, Mom, I want to veg out and binge on Netflix or whatever right. the kids watch. Yeah. What do we do with that if that's what they consider play? Well, that is a really good point. You know, when, when this book was happening, I wrote it a couple of years after it happened, but during the summer that it happened, 
we didn't have smartphones yet. Now we had video games. Yay! <laughs> there were no smartphones or iPads. And boy, I, you know, I count myself so lucky I didn't mm-hmm. have to deal with that. But here's what I would say. First of all, I've never met any kid, not that I've met all the kids. I've never met a kid who's 12 and under who, when it comes right down to it, would rather be on a screen than goof around with uh, a friend. Mm-hmm. A, there's that initial withdrawal when you take it away. But honestly, I don't think the younger set likes the screens as much as we think they do. If they could have the freedom to be like a noisy mess in their backyard or make up silly stuff with their friends, or I, I, I have never known in all my time, uh, such as that is, a kid, say, who's 12 or who wouldn't rather be playing outside or goofing around with a friend than being on a screen. There's a there's an initial withdrawal period because they're so dependent on it or they may be so dependent on it. But honestly, I think once they get over that and they they truly understand I could just be loud and messy in the backyard or I'm allowed to just climb all over this playground thing or I'm allowed to just pretend whatever I want with my friend. That is, I think, so much more enjoyable for the, the young kids. So I know it's hard for parents to take, you know, when you first take the screen away, there's pushback, there's anger, they're in your face maybe of like bothering you. But if you can get past that 10 minute period maybe, and just give them some freedom to do something outside, or I really think that the children prefer it. Excellent, and you got ahead of my question. So thank you. I was gonna say, for the parent who's getting really frustrated, right? And I agree with you, when we stand strong, have structure and boundaries around that issue and say no and deal with their frustration, go go through the extinction burst until they're done and they know you're going to hold your ground and then it becomes a non-issue and so much better for their for their brains for their psychological health because well here I'm I'm preaching to the expert but you tell me what are the benefits of play well I will tell you but let me say I had a rule I don't know if this would help parents but my husband and I had a rule that summer that they were allowed to have their screens until 10 o'clock in the morning and then they weren't allowed to have them again until five o'clock at night so that that window of time when you could be outside with a friend was open now we made an exception for bad weather if it was pouring rain you couldn't go out you know whatever but but the thing is having that rule I didn't have the fight every day do you, you know what I'm saying? Like if I forgot and it was like 10, 20 and I was like, okay, turn off the video games. Like the rule was in place. So it wasn't, it wasn't, we weren't renegotiating it every single day. Anyway. I, I love that. And we often forget as parents that kids, as much as they might push back against structure and routine, as far as family rules go. We need family rules. We need them, need them, need them for the kids' sanity, for the kids' mental health, and for the parents' mental health, right? Major. And yes. somebody told me a great, a great like way to say it was that instead of saying, I said, you know, turn it off, we would make it the rule. No, 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 that's the rule. Mm-hmm. The rule is it goes off. And that way now it's the rule that's the, you know, the enforcer, not me. Yes. It's just a little, it was a little thing that, that worked. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's really hard. And that's kind of in the book. It's hard to enforce those rules 
But guess guess what? Being a parent is really hard. <laughs> Being a parent is really hard. And you know, another thing that I've really found over time depending upon the child's age and, you know, developmental level, that being able to co-create rules and agreements with them and say, hey, mommy was thinking of no screens from 8 a.m. until 6 p.m. and screen equals television, computer, phone, right? And then the kids push back and say, well, how about noon? And then we end up deciding 10 to 6, right? So and when we give them some ownership. Absolutely. And buy-in. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm such a fan. So I was a fan. Okay, so now let's go. go. Well, you know the, the familiar's habits, 10 habits of a healthy family, yeah. love together, play together, learn together, work together, talk together, heal together, read together, eat together, laugh together, give together. And here we're focusing on play. Of course, this play is imbued with all the love and the fun and the healing and the learning and all of that and the yeah. growing. So again, just asking my question again, play, what do you see? Some people say, I don't need to play or my kids should be academics and they're on the fast track to an Ivy League school. Who cares about play? Ooh. What do you say? Well, I would say that you only have to read a few experts to see that play for children is the, the best education they can have. They, they've done so many tests about how free play, autonomous, self-directed play increases their creativity, their resilience, their, um, their ability to, I don't know what word it is, the ability to think things through, uh, self-knowledge and self-awareness. It's really, you can't beat it. Now, it's different, of course, when they're teenagers, because that's different. But I'm talking about that, you know, 13 and under kind of age where... I just think that play is the best. Honestly, if you want a high achieving kid, it's probably the best thing that uh, that you could do for them at that age. Well said, brilliantly said, and interesting how even us adults, we too benefit from play, don't we? Mm -hmm. If we mm -hmm. if we remember how important it is. Yes. Um, it's, it's, it's always really hard. It is. Oh my goodness. I can stand to play so much more. So it's, it's, it's a lifelong goal, but yes. Hey, we can, we can definitely watch children. You know, isn't that amazing when you watch children play and you see they run, 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 and then they lie down and rest and then their bellies move as they're breathing and they get up and they run, 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 run. And then they're hungry. And then they play, 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 play. And then they rest. I mean, what great life lessons we can learn from watching our children play. And then they sleep so and they just go, yeah. boom. And then, and, right. No, no sleep issues. They're, they're out. No I know. I know. I have to say, I can remember those years of watching my kids play from the toddler stage, you know, right on through to whatever. And, and almost like getting a sense of relaxation off of them. You know what I mean? Like a contact high. From their, from their joy, me just seeing, it, just getting it too. It's just great. Fabulous information. So tell me just maybe one, two, three more concepts that you really want to share or emphasize that, that our listeners can take away today. Uh, okay. Well, the other thing we kind of touched on, which is that I think it's really important to, to see to see your child for who they really are. Mm. And that can be really hard because we're really busy and our kids are, you know, they're in, they're in activities and, you know, there's a certain amount of roteness that comes. 
but I think it's, that was one of the things I learned that summer was once I saw, particularly my younger one, how, how happy he was to just play and do nothing and kind of invent his own things. It, it really helped me inform decisions going forward about, you know, what, what kind of activity should he be doing and what kind of a person is he and what, you know, how, what is his makeup. So I think for parents, whatever you need to do to sort of really consider your child and they're so they can be so different from each other or or maybe not but there's so much conformity in our world mm-hmm. you know we think there isn't because we're all about like being so inclusive and diversity and but when it comes to parenting boy there's a lot of conformity going on where you know you're supposed to be checking all these boxes and um so i would really encourage parents to you know, it's that if you can, and just walk your own path. Oh, absolutely. And I, I have to interject on that because it's so appropriate that so many of the millennial and upward clients I work with are the products of very linear, this take this path parenting. Mm-hmm. where the parents mean well, but they set the child on this path that they want for the child. And then the child ends up in therapy after doing that path and saying, wait a second, I'm desperately unhappy. I was never allowed to figure out who I want to be. Right? So maybe the big learning lesson, right, Pam, is to do exactly what you're saying. Let the children play. Let them learn and grow and figure out their path as they're growing. And not that you abandon them, but of course you're right there to, to support them. Yeah. And if other parents are doing it different and they have an Ivy League or whatever plans there are, hey, you know, go that route, send them to a psychotherapist, you know, <laughs> 20 years down the line, whatever it is. Listen, I, I, you know, I'm sure there's I don't think that those colleges have any handle on happiness more than any other college does. We're so yeah. obsessed with that, you know, that kind of external token of success of yes. they went to this kind of school or they have this kind of job. And. I, you know, I know a lot of different people and I feel like there's a certain kind of anxiety and happiness across all, you know, echelons. Absolutely. And speaking to that, research shows us that happiness peaks when you get that to that point of success that you have enough, enough, uh, enough to pay your bills, enough to have health insurance. After that, it can actually, the more success, material success, mm-hmm. it can actually just start plummeting because external success is not nearly as important as the beauty of internal success and the joys of yes. big, big things like play, yeah. enjoyment, yes, happiness, mm-hmm. time together. Yes. Time together. Oh. That, that's like one of the best things too, not being so busy is is having the time to spend with your family because they don't stay young forever that's you know they don't they're gone in the blink of an eye Mm -hmm. (laughs) they are one more question i'm just trying to think you know of the parent who's really trying this isn't you know a job at parents who who want their you know child to be on the supreme court or wall street or whatever it is but you know for for parents who want their child on a high achieving track, they may be wondering, well, if I let my child play, won't they get behind? Won't they feel be lazy if I just let them play? Uh, yeah, the old getting behind. <laughs> behind what? 
no, I, I understand. Listen, I was fortunate that my children were both good in school. So I never really had a concern that, you know, oh gosh, you know, do they need a little extra help or this and that. I will tell you this, they, they never liked reading. And that's kind of like the cardinal sin. Like you're supposed, we're all supposed to be raising these amazing readers. And, and I love to read and I'm a writer and they, they don't really like to read. So that was kind of a kind of a thing. But, but in terms of the getting behind thing, I, I feel like, again, I'm talking about these years of growing up. And I think giving your, your child as much time to play as, as you can will position them to be healthier and maybe better learners when they hit the high school age, when they might be doing a lot of academic or a lot of high pressure activities in terms of sports or theater or music or all those things. Because there's no doubt about it. There's, you, you want your kid to be active in high school and to be doing a lot of those things. But if they've already done exactly that for 10 years, what is different about high school? If their whole childhood has been nothing but a roster of you know, tutors and activities and plans, then, then what is different about ninth grade? I, I just kind of feel like they, if you can give them that one great childhood where they're a little freer, I, th I do think they're probably better positioned to succeed. I have to agree. I think that that's probably why there's such a big movement to have work-life balance. Mm -hmm. And maybe we can call it work-life balance play balance because we burn out as adults if we just work 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 and just touching back to the some of the highlights that you shared if play well not if play does increase creativity it increases resilience it increases follow through it increases self-awareness those are just some of the things that you you know, offered to us that are so important. And then that becomes lifelong. So then it stands to follow that this child, then adolescent, then young adult, then adult, now has healthier coping mechanisms. So that when life becomes stressful, it's not, oh, let me reach for a drink, right? Let me self-medicate. It may right. be, oh, let me go outside and play. Well, that's a nice, that's a definitely a nice viewpoint uh, that, that, that the play would be the, the way you medicate. <laughs> yes, um, self-soothe. Wouldn't that be lovely? Yes. yes. But you bring up a great, you, you get close to a great point, which is the fear of failure. <laughs> you know, playing can teach you it's okay, well, that didn't work out. Well, that game was boring or I lost that or, you know, I built that tower and it fell over. Oh, well you know, you get the chance to try and fail and try again with, with almost, you know, no real consequences. And I think we all know that our young people today are struggling with that, you know, having a, a, a they don't want to try in case they fail because it's, they feel too much pressure to succeed all the time. Oh, I just, I have to add this. One of our, one of the familiar author, authors, Shelley Davida, talks about in her book, Fail Brilliantly. I learn from wow. the podcasts that I do as I'm learning from you today. And one of the things I learned from the podcast with her ages ago was that failure as we use it, as in you did a bad thing, you crumbled, is actually a fairly recent interpretation of the word and that it used to mean to simply arrive at a different destination. Wow. Isn't that gorgeous? Yes. 
And so when we look at play and the crumbling Lego tower, right? That did, what about if it was not a failure, right? What about if play is actually an opportunity, failure in the traditional sense, right? right. But in, in our traditional sense, but in the more real and genuine sense of it, what if it's an opportunity to rebuild it again and arrive at a different destination? Yes, and yes. also, or enjoy the mess that you just created. Because sometimes if the kid is little enough and the blocks fall over, you just get the giggles. Who even cares? Who even <laughs> so, wow, cares? I, yeah, I really love that, a different destination. Oh, that's great. Isn't that just a gorgeous, yeah. gorgeous, yes, yes. So, well, I could clearly go on for hours with you because it's such a delight. So thank you so much, Pam, for sharing your wonderful time and energy and light with us today. Could you let our listeners know where they can find you? Yes. So the book, Why Can't We Just Play, is available wherever books are sold. It's in audio book format. It's on ebook format. So, so that's where you can get that. You can find me. I have a website, pamlobley.com. Uh, P-A-M-L-O-B-L-E-Y. And then I'm also on Instagram. I'm on Facebook too. You can find me on Facebook, uh, but I don't post there as much. I tend to post on Instagram. I feel like Instagram, even though it does have its, um, you know, it's sort of a way of measuring up in some ways, it's kind of fun. I don't know. I feel like people have more fun on Instagram than some of the other sites. So we must agree. It's all bite-sized little chunks for yeah. our for our yeah. sometimes bite-sized attention spans, but yeah. that's okay. That's so, okay. Listeners, it is Pam P A M Loubly, spelled L O B L E Y, and her amazing book is Why Can't We Just Play? So thanks again for being with us today, Pam. So appreciated. It's been a delight. It was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. And as we conclude today's podcast, I'd like to thank Familius Publishing for their support in bringing this podcast to your ears and your heart. We'd be thrilled if you'd subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review on iTunes and social media. If you'd like more wonderful Familius content, be sure to visit us at Familius.com, where you will find our Habit Hub blog, as well as a spectacular selection of books for families, such as the book we talked about today, Why Can't We Just Play? One step at a time, we can and will make the world a happier place. I thank you for sharing your time with me, Dr. Carla Maria Manley. It's been a joy and a true pleasure. Be well and shine, shine, shine as only you can do.